going too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling this vulture race. Negative, nepotist. Everybody waiting for the fall of man. Everybody praying for the end of times. Everybody hoping they could be the one. I was born to burn. I was born for this. Whip, whip, pull me like a racehorse. Pull me like a red horse. Break me down and build me up. I wanna be the slip, slip. Word on your lip, lip. I'm Donald Wayne, and this is Trice Talk Mini Pod for Monday night, May the 3rd, 2021. Thanks for joining me again for another episode of Minipod. And that was Imagine Dragons, of course, with whatever it takes. And sometimes I feel that way <laughs> with with uh, Trash Talk and the Minipods. I hope everybody had a uh, decent Monday, wherever you are in the country. Uh, we had some bad weather on the uh, eastern half of the uh, country, and I guess even in the Midwest in some areas, but hopefully everybody is okay. Uh, tonight, I'm going to, um, I had something I was already going to do. I was going to talk about some uh, election stuff in Texas, uh, local stuff, state stuff. And then I happened to see this uh, news story uh, on Fox earlier today, and it made me, um, I decided I wanted to cover that first. And uh, it, it kind of ties into um, some stuff that's going on in the country right now that I think people need to pay attention to. Obviously, there's lots of bad stuff going on right now, and, and this probably in comparison is not the worst thing that's occurring in the country but it certainly was a bad ordeal for this particular couple and some friends but uh, it raises questions about our government and the links that it'll go to to do the things that it thinks that it's supposed to be doing uh, this is an article from the Alaska Watchman it's something I've never used before didn't even know it existed until tonight, but uh, I was looking for some information that I could share about that story uh, since I really didn't get that much out of it on, on Fox earlier today. So anyway, I found, uh, of course, it's listed on several different news sites, but I, I thought I would go to the Alaska Watchman since that, that sounds like something that's pretty local for this particular couple since they do live in Alaska. This article is, let's see if I can even see who it's by here. It doesn't, uh, yeah, it says it's by Joel Davidson. 
uh, and it was filed on April the 29th. So it's a few days old already. But uh, like I said, I just first heard about it today. All right, the article goes on to say, Paul and Marilyn Huper, owners of Homer Inn and Spa, woke up with a start at 9 a.m. April the 28th when a dozen armed FBI agents kicked down their front door in an investigation associated with the uh, representative Nancy Pelosi's stolen laptop, which, of course, was taken during the January 6th siege of the nation's capital. Speaking April the 29th to Kenai-based radio host Bob Bird of the Bird's Eye View, Paul recalled that he was alarmed and shocked to come out of his bedroom with seven guns pointing at him and his wife. It was a little alarming when I turned around and turned the corner, Paul said. The first thing they did was start barking out commandments. Uh, Ultimately, the couple was handcuffed, interrogated for the better part of three hours before being released. In the end, it was a case of mistaken identity. The Hupers were were in D.C. for the rally with President Trump, but they never came close to entering the Capitol and certainly never took Pelosi's laptop. It appears the FBI were most interested in Maryland. They had a photo of a woman wearing the same coat as her and with a similar hairstyle. The photo was taken from Capitol building cameras, according to Maryland, but beyond the hair and coat, there is little similarity between Maryland and the woman photographed inside the Capitol. The, the entire saga, however, left the Hupers disoriented but determined to better understand and defend their personal liberties and those of their friends and neighbors. Now, they show in this article, there's a picture of uh, Marilyn Huper, and uh, she's in the crowd, and she has a mask on, and it's, I don't know, I don't know who took it, I can't really tell, but it says her name above her picture, waiting for Trump to speak. Um... And like I said, she's wearing a mask and you can see her eyes and the hair. And then beside it, they show a a picture of the woman they were really looking for. And it says unidentified gal inside the Capitol. Now, it's really hard for me to tell that the two are very similar because um, maybe just a smidge on the hair but I don't think the eyes or the eyebrows fit, but you know. So anyway, they were, they were given these two side by side so you could see the difference in the two. Going back to the article, Paul said he repeatedly asked to see a search warrant but was denied until two and a half hours had gone by. During that time, he and he was separated from his wife We sat there for the first hour, not knowing what's going on, Paul told the bird's eye view. They never offered for us to be comfortable, he added. It was very harshly done. Paul said the agents ransacked the house and left a huge hole in his front door, which they offered to replace. Paul said he knew he was innocent of whatever they suspected of of him and his wife, but that is still all pretty confusing. 
After more than an hour, the agents told him that the raid had to do with the January 6th siege of the U.S. Capitol. The Hupers were in D.C., but only to peacefully protest that day. That's what we were there for, he said, adding that they never broke any laws. In fact, Paul said they never entered the Capitol building and were at most a hundred yards away from the entrance. Agents showed Paul a photo of a woman who did enter the Capitol and asked if that was his wife. They had the same coat on, he said. He told Bird, but said the face of the woman was quite different from his wife's. My wife is much better looking than me than that, he said. A smart, smart response from Paul. While separated from her husband, Marilyn was told why the agents were at their home. They said, we're here for Nancy Pelosi's laptop, she recalled. So I guess it was stolen and it is still at large. The agents then claimed that they had positively identified Marilyn as being in the Capitol building and that they wanted to know who she was working with. Marilyn said she tried to be respectful but couldn't help but laugh. She asked to see some identification, at which point agents quickly flashed their badges. I couldn't read it fast enough to know what it was, she said of the badges. She then asked to see a warrant and was told that she would, she would get to see it later. When repeatedly told she was the woman in the photo, Marilyn responded by saying, I would like to know how I split myself into two locations because I didn't know I had this power. The first photo agents showed her was very fuzzy and depicted a woman wearing a similar coat with a similar hairstyle. They then showed her a photo of the woman's face. She told them, oh, that's obviously not me. Why, why didn't you show me that photo to start with? The woman in the photo has detached earlobes. Marilyn's are attached, she said. Plus, the woman was wearing a sweater that Marilyn said, you couldn't pay me to wear. The agent suggested that she was lying and was not cooperating, she told Bird. At no point was the couple read their Miranda rights or charged with any crime, and the agents left after three hours without offering an apology. They also took Marilyn's phones and laptop, she said. Both Hupers say the whole ordeal has revealed just how little they know about their legal rights when dealing with the government. We really need to understand our latitude of choice, as Marilyn said. This is especially true when you see guns pointed at you and you don't want to disappoint them, she said. Marilyn said the raid has inspired her to know her rights. A lot of us have fallen down on the job, she said, of the duty to know and understand basic civil liberties. The ball lies squarely in our court. Paul agreed, saying he feels invigorated to stand up for his personal liberties. This energizes me to take the next, the, the right next step, he said. This fires me up to take care of my business as a citizen to do what's right. And of course, they have a link where you can actually listen to the birds uh, interview on Bird's Eye View, which, which is, like I say, it's in Alaska. So, um, I mean, if you wanted to hear the interview, you could click on that and check uh, what's going on or, or their exact words. Uh, I heard today in, in the story that I that I read 
or that I saw on TV that um, they actually had guests in the house that were also detained. And, and one particular, I believe it was a teenage kid, was a friend of their daughter's. Uh, they were there visiting and they handcuffed that person as well. And again, that doesn't appear in this article. So I don't know if that uh, particular item is true. Um, like I say, I don't, that's not the worst thing probably that's happened uh, compared to a lot of other things that's gone on in the country, uh, compared to a lot of the uh, people that have been detained indefinitely uh, that entered the Capitol building that day. And I'm not saying that they, there shouldn't be charges of some kind of, against certain people, but to have been almost, uh, almost four months now and not be formally charged or released, uh, with bond or something is a little bit strange. I'm sure if that were, uh, some liberals being held, uh, it would be a whole different scenario. So, of course, that kind of goes along with uh, Rudy Giuliani, who was also uh, raided earlier. Uh, maybe it was the, over the weekend, and they took uh, some stuff out of Giuliani's uh, house, home. And uh, that's a little bit, that's concerning as well. I won't say a little bit more, but that's concerning as well, because Giuliani is a, is a lawyer, and they reportedly took out a lot of stuff that may be uh, attorney-client privilege items, and uh, that that could be a problem. All right, so that was the first thing I wanted to go across uh, to uh, share with you because um, I don't know. I just happened to hear it by accident, and it was not a very long story. And so when I looked this up, so you know, there's some things going on, and and what they've said in you know, after this experience that they want to look into what their rights really are. And, and, you know, maybe it's with the FBI when it's a federal government, your rights are a little bit different, especially under certain circumstances. Um, so I think it behooves all of us to make sure we understand, uh, what our rights are in regards to certain issues like this. And especially if you're going to be involved in in marches and protests and you're going to be involved in activities that uh, that seem to piss off the liberals quite frequently. Uh, they consider anybody that does not agree with them to be an enemy. So it would be a good idea for you to make sure you know what your legal rights are. And that's not saying that someone like in their situation, they were... Uh, not even told what they were being held for for an hour, so uh, and never shown a a, a warrant until um, uh, two and a half hours later. But still, if you know your rights, you at least have a better chance of of maybe talking to whomever you're dealing with and let them know that I know what my rights are. All right, the second thing on my list, and this is a little encouraging news, only in the sense that, uh, again, as I said on a podcast on uh, Saturday night, it, it appears that people are starting 
to push back against liberals and Democrats in this country. And um, like I said, also, it seems like liberals have decided that since they won the presidential election, uh, <laughs> well, I won't comment on that. And they won, and especially in Georgia, two more Senate seats and took over the Senate that they feel empowered uh, to do just about anything they want to do in this country. And I think people, you know, conservatives and Republicans and maybe even some libertarians are starting to push back and say, uh, you know, not so fast. You know, we still, uh, there's a lot of people out here that just don't agree with what you're trying to do and are not going to go along with it. So it's the pushback factor that I get excited about. And maybe there are just a few here and there right now, but every we have every reason to believe that as, as one group or one, uh, a few people here and there push back, that it'll encourage other people of similar mindsets to push back as well. At least that would be my hope. All right, this was article is uh, Texas votes bad for Democrats. And this is uh, another thing that's in the Mike Huckabee newsletter. And this article is by Huckabee. He do he do he does have he does reference uh, two or three side articles uh, that spin off of this particular article and I'm not going to do any of those except maybe the one the very last one if I have some time left here but let me go through this article one of the great Democrat dreams is turning Texas blue so far the closest they've come was convincing the state to rely on windmills for energy when a historic Arctic snowstorm froze their turbines and caused a massive blackout. That turned Texas blue. And if this past weekend is any indication, that may be close as they'll ever come. Saturday, there were local elections across the Lone Star State and Texans made it clear that they've seen why so many blue staters are moving in and they want nothing to do with the policies that they brought with them. So here are a few of the most notable election results from the state of Texas this past weekend or past week. Voters made Lubbock the 23rd Texas city to declare itself a sanctuary city for the unborn, declaring abortion murder and outlawing it at every stage. There are also two such cities in Nebraska. This is significant because Lubbock is the only city that already had an active abortion provider, a Planned Parenthood clinic that just started offering abortions last month. Uh, Lubbock is a city that's, um, well, it's, it's going out towards West Texas. Um, so it's, it's not one of your more highly populated areas of Texas. In a special election, voters in the 6th Congressional District, south of Dallas, put some of the DFW, uh, plus some of the DFW, which is Dallas-Fort Worth, mid-cities. Uh, if you've ever seen them, if, if, if you're familiar with Texas and the Dallas and Fort Worth area, you, you understand that uh, Dallas and Fort Worth have have grown up so much in the last 30 years that it's almost a constant fill-in between the two cities um, with 
outlying communities and so forth. So it's, it's a rather large area. But in a special election, voters in the 6th Congressional District chose a replacement for Republican Ron Wright, who died of COVID-19 in February. With a number of Republicans splitting the vote, Democrats hoped to get into the runoff and pick up that seat. But Wright's widow, Susan Wright, came in first, with an endorsement from former President Trump helping overcome a slanderous robocall campaign against her. Um, I did, there is a side piece on that. And let me just, let me just share just a second of that with you because I I read it and it's like, are you serious? So it appears uh, that they really can't pin it down on any particular person. But it says, Texas Republican congressional candidate Susan Wright has reached out to federal law enforcement agencies after supporters reported they were receiving robocalls that accused Wright of killing her husband. Wright's companion, uh, campaign reached out to the FBI and the Department of Justice on Friday, the day before Texas will vote to pick up one of 23 candidates to represent the state's 6th Congressional District. For help with robocalls, Politico reported. The calls alleged that Wright murdered her late husband, Republican Representative Ron Wright, who died in February after being diagnosed with COVID-19. Wright's aides found out that the robocalls on Friday morning, or found out about the robocalls on Friday morning, a day before Saturday's primary special election. This is illegal and moral and wrong, Wright said in a statement. There's not a sewer too deep that some politicians won't plumb. It's unclear who paid for the robocalls because the recipient said that they came from a blocked number. The female narrator on the calls reportedly claimed that Wright murdered her husband and that she's now running for Congress to cover it up. The call cites confidential sources, says Wright, obtained a $1 million life insurance policy on the life of her husband six months before the death. It continues that Wright told a nurse that she had purposely uh, contracted the coronavirus and that the hospital made a formal criminal referral to the FBI. It is clear that the voters of Texas 6th Congressional District deserve to know the truth about Susan Wright and her involvement in the death of her husband. The call concludes. So somebody was doing robocalls to various peoples claiming that this this woman killed her husband and then that she was running for his seat in Congress just to cover up the crime. So uh, I thought that was... I thought that was, uh, you know, number one, awful. But can you imagine people going to that? I mean, we've seen them stoop to to lying about people uh, during elections before. But to accuse a woman of killing her husband and then uh, running for his seat to cover it up is... um, They're really getting creative. So going back to the article, but the truly tectonic shift 
became, with the vote in Austin, a blue stronghold Texans call the People's Republic of Austin. Austin has uh, this sidebar. Austin has been uh, notoriously a Democrat bastion for a number of years, maybe because the University of Texas is such a large school there and a large draw. Uh, And of course, it is the capital of Texas as well. But it's also an entertainment uh, spot in Texas because of all the um, the Austin city limits and a lot of the country music uh, that goes on there. It's almost like a mini Nashville. Of course, they might think that they're better than Nashville. But anyway, uh, probably the University of Texas has a lot to do. And there's so many students there that uh, why it's been such a blue stronghold for a number of years. Anyway, Austin has a mayor and a city council so far to the left that they were making the city too weird even for Austin residents. They passed an ordinance allowing homeless people to camp virtually anywhere, which, combined with defunding the police and driving cops to quit and retire, was turning Texas's beautiful capital into a crime-plagued tent city. Voters already expressed their displeasure by replacing one council member with an actual Republican. But Mayor Steve Adler and the radical council leader Greg Kassar didn't get the message, obviously. So over the strenuous opposition of Adler and Kassar, they got a referendum on the ballot to ban camping wherever you want. Adler and Kassar countered by putting other measures onto the ballot, such as adding another district, creating a strong mayor system, and handing out democracy dollars or city dollars to fund political campaigns, all of which would have rewarded the leftist incumbents with more power and influence. Even Ben and Jerry's weighed in from Vermont to urge Austin voters to keep their city garbage and crime filled. Now, Sidebar again, Ben and Jerry's in Vermont, why in the hell are they worried about what's going on in Texas? You know, these guys need to just stick with the ice cream. You know, again, it's okay for people to express their political views, uh, but they also, it's, who cares? You make ice cream. Yes, you have an opinion like everybody else, that everybody else that has a job or may own a business, but... You know, your opinion shouldn't carry any more weight than anybody else just because you made some overpriced ice cream that a lot of people love. The results, Austin residents voted to end the homeless camping by 58 to 42%. Democracy dollars and adding a council district lost by 57 to 43%. And the notion of giving Mayor Adler more power went down in flames by 87 to 13%. When Adler saw the early trends, he tried to turn out progressive by claiming that older Republicans who don't represent Austin's values were skewing the vote. But in fact, the early voters were only 20% Republican and 55% Democrat. Republicans only make up 40% of the total Austin vote anyway. This was a rare example of Republicans and Democrats coming together to say no more destructive 
progressive policies destroying our city. Let's hope they keep that spirit alive through the next mayoral and council elections. Let's also hope this is a sign that the far left has pushed its ruinous policies so far that the people are standing up to end it. If it can actually happen in Austin, maybe it can happen in other places with ruinous entrenched Democrat governments like Chicago, Los Angeles, California, I mean San Francisco, New York, Detroit, and Baltimore. Think it of it, think it of it, think of it as the second Texas Revolution, showing the way for all victims of bad leftist government to go to the polls and throw the bums out. All right, like I said, the main reason I wanted to read that is because one, it included a little bit of a sidebar about Austin, which has been solidly uh, blue for a number of years. And I think it just shows, even if it's a the minutest of a trend, it shows that if people are starting to say, even hopefully some Democrats, you know, you're taking this too far. You're taking this too far. We don't want you turning our city into anything that remotely resembles California. And if you people moving out from California or moving down from New York state, because you're trying to escape the oppressive taxation in those states and the oppressive uh, city governments in those states, and you move to our wonderful state, don't bring that crap with you. Because if you do, and you're successful, you're going to turn it into the very thing that you left, which doesn't make sense. So kudos to the people in Texas. Um, I'm encouraged. <laughs> little by little, I'm encouraged. All right. So that's, uh, that's kind of got it in on time. That's the two things I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, keep in mind that uh, Trice Talk Live is on tonight with myself and Dennis Lee. Our Tuesday, um, well, we really don't have a name for Tuesday, except it's just Tuesday Night Live. And we'll uh, be kicking some things around. There's several things that's happened today and over the weekend that I'm sure that we're going to have fun with tonight. So I uh, hope that you'll uh, come back and join us for Trice Talk Live tonight. And I'm going to cut this one off. I'm going to switch over here to my uh, closing song. And um, I'm going to hope that everybody has a wonderful and safe Tuesday. And remember, no one can define you, but you. Stay safe, everybody. See the sunrise and your sins just be